Welcome to China Manufacturing Decoded from Southeast, the podcast where we take you through some of the major topics facing importers and manufacturers in China today. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to China Manufacturing Decoded. This is episode seventy now, and today I'm joined as ever by our CEO Renaud Angerin. Renaud, hi. Hey, hi, Adrian. How are you doing? Yes, good. Thank you. Good. Yourself? Yeah, yeah, all good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we're having a very busy end to the year, aren't we? Lots of stuff going on. Oh yes, um, a lot of projects, a lot of developments, yeah, a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's uh, funny that you mentioned the word development there, and that does bring us on to today's topic, which is new product development, uh, in particular some of the deliverables that we're we're going to be expecting when going through new product development. So this is kind of a more educational one. In this episode, it would be great if you could sort of go through the NPD process in a bit more detail. Uh, sure. So what I'm, what I was thinking is, let you know from the buyer's side, because if we go through that from the um, the manufacturer side, it's it's you know it's it's another perspective. I want to yep. just focus on the the buyer's side, mm. and let's say you. You um, you're developing a new product, and you know at the beginning you do some of the work yourself, thinking of how it would kind of work and what's the expected benefits from the users. You do a little bit of market research. Hopefully, you have an idea about what's needed and sort of a theory about how it would work. Um, you know, and 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 then you say. Okay, I need to get some drawings, some designs, some things like that. Otherwise, it's really too immature to go straight to a manufacturer. So mm. you work with a design house, an engineering firm. You know, you you get let's say it's a device, a, you know, hard device, maybe with some electronics. You get an industrial engineer to to um, to say, okay, this kind of shape like this would be nice, you know, aesthetically, and and it would, you know allow it to function as you intend. And then you have some, some engineers to, um, to go more into the details of how things would actually work. Um, so I'm not really covering that because that's really the product development mm-hmm. all the way through. You have a working prototype that looks good, that is approved. You know, that's the end of product development. Then you need to industrialize it. You need to bring it into production and that takes a number of things. And we covered that before um, in a previous episode about the NPI process, new product interaction process. So yeah. what what I wanted to cover is sometimes clients ask me, hey, you know, um, for example, you know, the latest case, hey, we're working with, with a lawyer um, and we're trying to to um, to specify what deliverables basically what the schedule would be and what the deliverables would be mm. for the um, uh, you know for a new product that is being developed you know from now until it gets into mass production we want to keep the risks low so we want the manufacturer to do a, a certain number of things right and to give us some deliverables from that engineering work right mm-hmm. So what would it be, you know, and how to structure that? 
And that, that's that's the topic of today, basically. Okay. Again, let's say the design files, you know, you, you work on your side with the design house, with engineers and so on. Of course, you need these, um, these files. You need the latest version uh, in, <laughs> you know, in your hard drive, if I may say. You, you, uh, one of the mistakes that a lot of companies do is they, they go to China a bit too early. They work with a, an OEM or ODM manufacturer there. And that manufacturer does some of the engineering for free. But since it's done for free, it is theirs. It is not, mm. you know, it's, they, they consider that the, um, the design drawings and, and you know, the, the CAD files, the, the, um, uh, the layout, the schematics, all of this is their property. They should not share it. They can make the product for the buyer, um, you know, and the buyer should be happy if they already, you know, commit to making it only for the buyer. That's kind of the, the way of thinking in China. So if, if you get them to do some work, usually they don't really know how to, how to um, uh, charge for it. And then they say, they say it's theirs. So of course you need the, the records about, you know, the latest versions of all the um, engineering documents, let's say about how to, let's say how, how the product works, um, you know, the dimensions and, 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 and so on. And it's not only on the technical side, it's also on the supply chain side. You, know, you, you need to have the bill of material. If you, if you just know, well, you know, this, like the casing is made of plastic, I guess it's ABS and, you know, the, <laughs> the battery, I don't really know. It's one of their, local suppliers, they say, then da, 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 da. Then basically you, you know very, very little, you know next to nothing about your product. And if you're not happy about your manufacturer, when you move to another manufacturer, then the new one has to do all that work again. So that, that's going to take a long time. And of course, increases all, all kinds of risks uh, because maybe they cannot get maybe the same finishing, for example, as you were getting from the other supplier. Uh, just because you don't know where the you know that that component that needs to be nicely finished is finished, and then you know you you, you lose a lot of the learning. Uh, so, and I know I, I covered that in previous episodes, but so always worth worth mentioning. Okay, so of course you need the design files. If your manufacturer does some of the work on the design files, you need to get them. If they do some work, obviously they have to have a bill of material. Otherwise. How can they go into production? How can they purchase the, the, the right parts, the right components, right? So, uh, of course, they have to have a bill of material. You have to have that. Okay. So that, that's, that's the, the, the first, uh, the first thing to mention. It's pretty obvious, I would, I guess. Then, um, how deep do you want to go? It depends on a few criteria, you know. If your product is a very high risk product, and I'm, you know, of course, medical devices, there's all kinds of regulations about that. Uh, there's very little wiggle room here, <laughs> but let, let's say it's mm. a non-medical product, but it, you know, it could put a house on fire. It could hurt people, even lead to death, maybe. Okay. In those cases, you are going to ask for a lot more um, work upfront to 
basically show that the risks have been identified and mitigated as much as possible, right? Another key criterion is how, you know, do you expect very high sales or not? If you, and, and or, you know, or let's say instead of sales, is, it, is there going to be a lot of money involved? Because mm-hmm. you, you, um, if you sell your product $100,000, you don't need to, to sell a million of them, right? But let, let's say, do you expect a lot of money to be involved? Of course, if, if more money is involved, it, it's worth it to, to spend more time, more money upfront to, again, address the risks. Um, but if you, if you don't really know, if you say, well, 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 you know, we start with the first batch, 100 pieces or 500 pieces, we'll see, you know, and the product is kind of cheap. You, you, you can spend a lot of time and money upfront before production. You need to go ahead, do some production, see what's going on, and maybe do some engineering changes, uh, or maybe even go to version two if you see that things are catching on nicely. Okay, so mm-hmm. let's say that uh, you you know you do want to spend quite a bit of attention uh, because either your product is very risky or a lot of money is going to be at stake. So what 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 are you going to 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 require? Um, and it's helpful to to look at what the automotive industry has been doing now for a long time, especially the um, European and American uh, automotive industry. They, um, they, they, they have that process for approving the parts, the new parts. It's called the PPAP, Production Parts mm-hmm. Approval Process. And basically what it is, is a list of documents or elements, but it's really basically it's documents, right? It's, document-based deliverables that they require before they authorize a new part, right? Usually for a new vehicle, okay? And obviously a lot of money is at stake and for some of the parts, you know, the stakes are very, very high. So they, um, <laughs> they're pretty careful about that. You know, it's very structured. So I'm not saying that buyers of general consumer goods, let's say, should follow the same process. Of course not. Right. But they, they, they have quite a few things, you know, that, that they can learn from that, that they can, they can look into. And if we look at what the typical PPAP requires, let's, you know, let's go through these elements. Um, they require risk analysis. Again, in a very structured way, you know, in the form of an FMEA, failure mode and effect analysis. Um, but let's put that aside for a moment. A risk analysis, you know, looking at the product design um, before actually approving a prototype, you know, what could go wrong just by looking at the design, just by looking at the prototype, you know, um, hey, maybe when they're going to assemble that, uh, there's no way to make sure it's properly assembled and then you could get disassembled and that's a big problem, you know, uh, or, um, you know, um, it, it could be, um, it could be safety related. It could be, um, related to difficulties moving into production. It could be a lot of things, right? Just looking at the design, just to review, you know, it's, it's often possible to, to come up with a lot of different risks and to, to um, to analyze them to see okay is this a serious risk um, that you know we should really uh, that a high risk basically 
should do mm. something about it or not. And if we should do something about it, okay, then let's, you know, what what is it? And we need to track what has been done, right? And if you work with a serious R&D team, I mean, they, they've got to do, you know, design reviews and risk analysis. It's just not something that can be skipped. Um, so definitely a, a, an important element here. And by the way, when it goes into uh, the preparation for production, um, same thing, you know, same thing. There's again a risk analysis on the processes, the manufacturing and testing processes, right? The same thing. Hey, um, it's, I don't know. Um, or oh, this testing, you know, the, this critical characteristic has to be uh, tested on 100% of the pieces. Okay, but um, how to make sure that the bad ones are always caught? And in some cases you think, well, you know, um, not all of the bad ones are going to get caught the way it's, you know, the way we're thinking about it. So maybe we need to do something else to, um, you know, to, to improve the odds that all the bad parts, you know, will be caught. Yeah. Or maybe it's not possible to have a perfect control at that stage and we need to add something later on, maybe on the finished product, right? That's just an example. Um, or, I don't know, it's, there's going to be paint and, 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 you know, and, and then they say, well, the paint is going to drip a little bit on the, the corners and then it's going to give a little bit of a, a rounder aspect around the corners when it dries. But, you know, is this going to have an, an aesthetic effect? Yes or no? You know, we need to, to think about that. Boom, that's a risk right here. Yep. You know, how to control it in some cases is very hard. So very important to let the, the buyer, the, the customer know about that and let them comment on it, right? So these are a few examples, right? Um, <clears throat> other things that they, that, that they want to see uh, about the manufacturing process is the process uh, flow, uh, flow chart. So, or, you know, a flow diagram as, as they call it. Um, what actually are the steps going to be, you know, all through production? So, and let's say it's a simple, a simple, I don't know, metal part that is going to be machined with a CNC lathe. And, okay, well, and it's, you know, that, uh, you know, still, I don't know, three or four. And then you say, well, we're going to make sure that, you know, there's going to be incoming QC to make sure it's the right steel, you know, and then there's going to be, this uh, CNC machining operation. And after that, there's going to be a, um, an outgoing inspection on at least on these and these critical specifications, right? The specific dimensions, right? Mm -hmm. Plus maybe a visual check. And it's going to be packed in a simple way and sent to, um, to assembly in another factory. Okay. So, that sounds very, very simple, but when you start to, to think about it, you know, things could go wrong. So how do you actually make sure that, you know, that, that the finished parts will be acceptable? That leads to another document, 
usually based on the on the process flowchart, right? It's, it's the same sort of rows, uh, it's the same steps, but the control plan is a very central document for every step. So you receive the, let's say the, the parts in steel, you know, before machining them, what do you do on them? You know, how do you control? You know, maybe a quick visual check, maybe, um, you know, you, you require the, the, you know, certain documents from the supplier. And maybe once in a while, you do a little bit of testing on it to make sure it's the right, uh, the right material, the right, the right grade of steel, right? Then you do the CNC machining. Okay, how do you make sure it's fine? Well, <laughs> you, you know, you, you need to have some preventive maintenance. You need to, um, you know, change the tool every so often. You, you, you need to, um, as it's processing the parts, maybe you, um, you know, one every 10 parts or something, you, you take it as soon as it's machined and you check the critical dimensions, right? These are examples um, of how to make sure that this process keeps running as it's intended. And then you have the finished parts, then what do you do with them? Um, you know, then it's an inspection, maybe not 100% of them, you know, but what, what is the ratio? Uh, or what is the sampling plan? Right? You need to define all this. And also, uh, a typical control plan will also show, um, you know, references to maybe what machinery or what fixtures or what, what tooling is needed. So for example, if you, um, if you devise a checking fixture to confirm that the finished part is okay, uh, then you're going to mention it there because that's a really, really important, uh, you know, a uh, piece of tooling here, uh, directly related to quality. And, if um, if you have some work instructions, which you should, um, on how to do the inspections and on how to do the machining, then you should also reference them in the control plan. That is really a central document that um, that, that brings a lot of these these things together. And then when when you go into the factory, uh, maybe in the pilot runs or during mass productions. Uh, you 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 take the control plan if it exists and then you you walk around and you audit the processes it's so much easier mm. <laughs> based on the plan because they already said these are the steps you know so you check if if it's correct you know these are these are the work instructions and then you check if if they are there if it's the right ones if it's um if if they're actually followed if they're up to date <laughs> uh, and then it mentions the machinery the the tooling and things like that and you look at it and um, and then from there, there's a lot of other things you can you can look into, of course, right? But but that the control plan is really a um, a key deliverable. Uh, I always suggest buyers to request their um, that their 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 manufacturer prepares that. Yeah. So when you devise that plan, is that a dialogue with the manufacturer? Uh, they actually they should be able to do it themselves. Okay. If they have no idea what a control plan is, uh, maybe you're working with the wrong people. Sure. Uh, it's a very central document. Actually, a lot of manufacturers have never heard of of a control plan. Um, so be careful who you work with. Right? Mm. Then, well, I, I I talked about a, a checking fixture, for example, you know, or simply you know, using a caliper to check these parts. Well, how do you um, how do you make sure that um, the, the, the accuracy is there 
you need to have this calibrated or verified. Uh, in, in these cases, calibrated, um, you know, at a regular interval that makes sense. And you, you want to have the, um, the, the calibration certificates, but also, especially if there's um, custom, let's say, testing rigs or, you know, custom measuring uh, instruments that are, that are uh, developed just for your product, very, very important, you know, okay, how to make sure it's actually accurate. And then you want to look into um, also precision. So, um, okay, how to say it in a simple way. Um, you, you want to make sure that if I take that uh, instrument and uh, I measure the part, then I give the same part to you and the same instrument, you're going to find the same results or very close. And if it's also, if there's several instruments uh, involved, then also we use uh, different instruments, we should also find something, you know, a result that's pretty, um, pretty close, okay? And that, that, that's usually called measurement system analysis. Uh, there can be a lot to it, but, you know, doing some of the basics about what I just mentioned, uh, repro re reproducibility and repeatability um, of the gauges, that, that's very important. Mm -hmm. Again, if, um, if you really want to make sure that your critical components are up to the task, right? Yeah, on, on the critical dimensions. And then they do their, um, their own inspections uh, and... <laughs> It should all be within tolerance if possible. Otherwise, they should have an action plan and show, you know, explain why it's not within tolerance and, and so on and so forth. Now, in some industries and typically in the auto industry, for the critical um, dimensions, they go further. They don't just want it to be within tolerance. They want to make sure that your process is stable and is within control. Okay. And um, one of the, the classic... Um, basic tools for that is the capability index um, you know CP CPK uh, basically they measure for every critical dimension uh, that that is measured how close to the target the you know production really is and you know and let's say how far away from the upper and lower specification limits like you know Basically, if you have a CPK of, let's say, 1.33, um, you have a relatively high confidence that, yeah, most of the parts are going to be within tolerance. Like, it's it's kind of relatively safe, you know. Um, pretty safe, I would say, for especially for consumer goods. It's already pretty good. So, you you, you know, if you request that you do some of these analysis, um, you know, that there are test reports, measurement reports, I should say, and um, and a little bit of statistical analysis, and you should request that and see, you know, if that looks nice. <laughs> um, so, and, and then uh, you should also, now that's something really important. They cannot go directly into mass production, right? Uh, we we also discussed that before about, you know, the importance of a pilot run and, and so oh, yeah. on. So um, you want them to, to explain to you, okay, 
what are you what are you going to do prior to mass production? Are you going to to do just one pilot run, you know, and how many how many pieces and what exactly are you going to try to validate there? And if for for um for um for consumer electronics that have to be you know have to be made in the hundreds of thousands or even more, uh, there's there's at least three um, three different kinds of uh, validation runs, right? There's what they call engineering validation testing, uh, design validation, validation testing, and then production validation testing. And every time they have different objectives, right? So engineering validation testing, uh, basically, um, okay, let's get the parts of tooling. Uh, let's put them together. Let's see how it all works. And, you know, the finishing of the product might not be perfect yet and things like that. But this comes in the next one, the design validation testing, where they really want to make sure that, yeah, it can be assembled properly and it works and so on, but also um, it has to look nice and feel nice. Uh, and and then, of course, through these first two pilot runs, you you look at, hey, um, well, you know, how, how is it going to work uh, in mass production? Any any potential issues? Um, but but really, the production validation testing, the, the the latest one, PVT, is about okay. Um, let's let's put it on the you know uh, in in in, a, in an assembly line and and let's do everything all throughout, not just in assembly, of course, but also for especially for the custom parts that have been designed just for your product. Uh, let's do everything like it's going to be in mass production. Let's, let, let's be as close as possible to it. Uh, actually, let's let's do it exactly the same. PVT has to be exactly the same. The same people, same equipment, same testing instruments, uh, same methods, everything. Um, and let's see, you know, um, if we can make it um, at the right quality level. And let's see, you know, how, you know, where are the bottlenecks? Let's see how fast it can be made. Um, let, let's, yeah, basically, what are the issues? And then we fix the issues one by one. It's really getting into production. Uh, and, and, and there might be several PVT runs uh, for complex products. It's, it's actually quite, uh, quite normal, right? So you need to ask your supplier, okay, what, you know, what are you going to do uh, once tooling is made? you know, uh, before you launch mass production. And a bad supplier will say, oh, we don't need to do anything special. We'll just go direct into mass production. Mm. Well, that's, and we talked about that before, right? Yeah. But uh, pilot runs, but that, that that is a big red flag. And if you, again, a product comes with high risk uh, or a lot of money is going to be involved, you absolutely, absolutely cannot accept that, right? Okay, so... You, you you ask your supplier, you set up a plan with them, uh, you see what deliverables they um, they uh, you know um, will come out of these validation uh, validation runs, and obviously there should be you know inspection reports and things like that, things like also maybe process studies, maybe um, you know good manufacturers will look at how balanced the the lines are, they will look at how much scrap there is. And, and what are the sources of this? You know, they will, they will do an analysis, of course, of the, the defectives that, that are found and where they come from. Um, they will feedback all of that to the different suppliers of components. 
and 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 and, and follow up on that. There can be a lot of work uh, in there. Okay. Mm. Um, what else? There might be engineering approvals. Uh, sorry, engineering changes that have to be approved by um, by by all parties, and this um, absolutely has to be documented, obviously. And this, yeah, this usually comes. It might come actually during the the pre-production runs, when yeah, we see okay, there are some issues here, um, and and there has to be a very clear process. It's not just okay, we make this change on the drawing, we tell the supplier, and then they they resend some parts with you know on the right dimensions or something like that. <laughs> or we we change the firmware a little bit, we tell the PCB. PCB PCB guys to load the, the, the new version of the, the firmware and then you know let's go ahead with that. If you go with this kind of attitude, um, you're gonna have you know very serious failures and you will not even know where they come from. No, no, no. It, it has to be very um, very carefully thought of and um, all the you know the testing has to be uh, updated and, and the, the specifications and things like that were were needed. That definitely leads to um, documents. Uh, you know, deliverables that, that as, as the buyer, you, you really want to follow up on that, right? Mm. Um, obviously, you know, prototypes, uh, tooling samples, pre-production samples, all of that, the buyer, you know, receives them and comments on them and keeps them or some of them as, uh, you know, the, 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 the master sample to really illustrate the quality standard. That's pretty clear. Um, and of course, the approved quality standard document, um, sh- yeah, should should be ready by the end of product development. Um, if you go into production without that, um, you might go into a lot of discussions with your supplier, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I, I guess I I covered most of the um, the main topics here. Um, yeah. So, so, so to summarize, what you've been going through is more when we're getting towards the manufacturing stage rather than the R&D stage of, of a new product. Yes. Yeah. R&D will give you, you know, all the, the, the drawings, the layouts, schematics and so on. Um, sourcing will give you the bill of material, you know, and then once you have all of these confirmed, then you move into production and, uh, you know, moving into production is not as, as simple and straightforward as, as, as people often think. Right. There are a lot of, uh, a lot of steps yeah. and there should be a lot of validation steps and validation steps and verification. Yeah. Like, you know, you have some finished products, you check them against the specs. That's verification. Um, whereas validation is, well, let's, you know, Let's put that on the lines. Let's let's see how it works. Let's see how things come out. Um, let's send it to users. Let's see if they like it. That's that's called validation in uh, the, the proper quality um, uh, jargon. Mm-hmm. So uh, you you have a lot of these steps. You know, green light, red light, basically, and mm. all of this should be documented, and the buyer should you know request all of that. Um, again, for projects where there are high risks involved or a lot of, a lot of money involved. 
Right. And yeah, you gave the benchmark, which was the auto industry, I guess, industries like medical aerospace as well, where a part oh, yes. failing could lead to, you know, loss of life. Uh, oh, let's, yes. let's imagine it's the brakes on a car, you know, and it's a, it's an integral part to those. Mm. If anyone listening is thinking, well, my product is not going to be that serious. All of the deliverables that you've just gone through, I mean, how cr- critical is it that they focus on those? Um, so, yeah, as you say, you need to focus on critical parts uh, in priority. Um, and you don't want to request all of that, you know, what I requested, what I, what I, I outlined, sorry, uh-huh. um, you know, in, in great, great details. So, um, yeah, fo- focus, of course, on, on, on the critical parts first, but things like the control plan or the, you know, the risk analysis should look at everything basically mm. well it, and it makes sense because fundamentally it, by doing all of this quite sort of comprehensive checking you're giving yourself the best opportunity to get great quality and, and safe products what once you do go into mass production well that's yeah that's really the um, <laughs> the end goal the name of the game <laughs> yes yes that you know you have mass production coming out on the right quality on the right you know, without delays, you know, basically mm. without surprises. The surprises are always costly. Yeah. And surprises, I mean, how many of our clients have, you know, told us, oh, we missed the Christmas season just because this supplier, you know, messed up. Mm. And then we start to ask questions and yes, the supplier messed up. I mean, no, um, <laughs> no, no, um, no argument about that. Uh, but the customer also messed up because they did not have a structured process. They did not guide the manufacturer on what to do. Right. Yes, uh, and and that's why we're discussing this today. So yeah, that's uh, right. uh, so going through those deliverables. That's a really really good guide to anyone who is sort of you know starting to go through the new product development process. You've mentioned uh, a number of times, you know, for example, we've spoken about pilot runs in the past uh, mm-hmm. in on the podcast. Please do check the show notes if you want to catch up with those. I'll add the links to some of those related podcast episodes that we already recorded. And you can go into even more detail by listening to those. But uh, until next time, Renaud, thanks for going through all of that for us. Yeah, thanks, Adrian. Thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, don't forget to like and share. And you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other places that you get your podcasts from. See you next time.